Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hi guys, I'm Denise Orsop, the Education Manager for FitPro. Thank you for joining the podcast today. I will be chatting with Tim Webster, the founder of the NeuroGym and the Parkinson Pro online course. It's great to have you with us today, Tim. Can you begin by introducing yourself and telling us all about the NeuroGym and Parkinson Pro? Yeah, sure. My name is Tim Webster. I've been in the fitness industry for around 35 years, having been phys ed trained and taught for 10 years. Uh, moved to New Zealand 15 years ago and have been working in the fitness industry in New Zealand. And whilst in New Zealand, we set up something called the NeuroGym. And the NeuroGym really is sprang off the back of starting to work with people with neurodegenerative conditions. So primarily Parkinson's to start off with, but then MS and one or two stroke patients. So my wife, Christina, and I decided that um, this is something that we'd like to specialize in. So we, uh, we formed the NeuroGym, and initially that's one-on-one work with clients uh, based in New Zealand. But since then, we uh, were approached by a number of people in New Zealand to start to produce uh, training courses for exercise professionals. And that's what we've been doing over the last year or so. And the first of those training courses to uh, the first cab off the rank, so to speak, is uh, Parkinson's Pro, which is a foundation course designed to upskill exercise professionals who want to learn how to manage and work with Parkinson's patients. So will a general exercise program be effective for Parkinson's? Well, yes and no. A general exercise program will get Parkinson's patients fit in the same way that it would get normal clients fit. But Parkinson's patients have specific requirements and uh, they need to be focused on it. It's really the focus of this course. So one of those requirements is something called amplitude. And amplitude is bigness. And the reason that Parkinson's patients require bigness in their movements is that Parkinson's closes down neural pathways and actually closes down movement. And uh, this is something called bradykinesia or bradykinesia on this side of the world. And bradykinesia is really the small and slow movements that you see with Parkinson's patients. So in order to counter this, we need to get them moving big. So uh, that's the first of the planks, if you like, in the um, Parkinson's Pro course, foundation course that we're offering. And then there are a number of other things around neuroplasticity uh, that we need to take into account as well. What are the implications of neuroplasticity for exercise professionals then? Yeah, neuroplasticity is a little bit of a buzzword at the moment. Uh, Healthcare professionals, physios, etc. have uh, actually known about uh, neuroplasticity for a couple of decades now, but um, it's really coming onto the radar of exercise professionals. Neuroplasticity refers to the ability of the brain to rewire itself given the right conditions. And those conditions are stimulated by exercise and particularly high-intensity exercise. The reason for that is that high-intensity exercise generates something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, which exercise professionals will be aware of. BDNF is miracle growth for the brain. So in the case of Parkinson's, where we want to rewire the brain effectively, then producing BDNF and creating a fertile ground for neuroplasticity is essential. And the implications for our industry are huge in that we hold the key to creating fertile ground for neuroplastic adaptations. And that means that we hold 
to some degree the key to being able to help people with neurodegenerative and autoimmune conditions like Parkinson's MS, stroke and so on. So what exactly does the Parkinson Pros course cover? So there are 10 modules in the course, uh, seven of which are theoretical and three practical, plus quizzes and a final assessment. So those modules cover the pathophysiology of Parkinson's disease. In other words, what causes it, uh, where it comes from. Uh, Most people, exercise pros, will know about dopamine, um, but the role of dopamine, etc., etc. It covers the uh, motor symptoms and non-motor symptoms. We look at neuroplasticity in more depth in Module 4, and then in Module 5, we look at neuroplastic training principles, and I'll touch on those in a second. And then we also cover cueing and coaching, how to coach Parkinson's patients, and we have testing and assessing as well. So we give you 10 or so assessments, including the Berg balance test, timed up and go, six-minute walk test, uh, etc. So it's a pretty full course. Uh, we layer on uh, then three modules that are practical. So we give you some examples of uh, Parkinson's in action, uh, our dance coach working with Parkinson's patients, a boxing coach working with Parkinson's patient, and also just talking to uh, one of our patients who features heavily about his feelings around his progress and uh, the work that he does and uh, the outcomes that he's achieved. That sounds great. You mentioned intensives being a key to making neuroplastic change. Could you elaborate on that a little for us? Yeah, so when you're working with Parkinson's patients, you can measure intensity in a number of ways. You have the classic intensity, uh, which is used either as a percentage of heart rate or RPE. And with most um, Parkinson's patients, we're going to use RPE. So we need to get them familiar with the 10-point Borg scale. And we'd have them working, uh, if uh, the exercise or the drill is heart rate based, we'd want them working at, say, 70%, 70-75% of maximal heart rate. But very often with Parkinson's, we're not working on cardio exercises. For example, we might be doing a balance drill. And it's still possible to get them to work hard and to know how hard they're working uh, by using an RPE scale. So the way in which and the accuracy with which you execute, the force with which you execute a particular skill or drill can be uh, the, can measure the intensity as well. So intensity can be defined in a number of different ways. Okay, so that's intensity. But what are the other key elements for a Parkinson program? Yeah, well, there are a number of key elements in addition to intensity. We've already mentioned one of them is amplitude, so bigness. But also Parkinson's patients, a degree of automaticity, a large degree of automaticity in their movements is lost. And so we try and add complexity to what they're doing. So, for example, if they're doing a walking drill, we may also add a cognitive component to that drill just to make it a little bit more difficult. Then accuracy is really important. And Parkinson's patients in particular have a poor speed accuracy trade-off, which means that uh, when they're reaching for a cut, for example, they have to slow down in order to hit the target. So accuracy is an important part of what we do with uh, Parkinson's clients. Power is another factor. Parkinson's, funnily enough, Parkinson's doesn't compromise strength, but power is what's needed to get out of a chair, for, uh, which is a basic life skill for Parkinson's patients. So we work on power, and power requires a certain amount of speed. Balance is an obvious one, and falls are a risk for Parkinson's patients, and uh, well, I'll touch on that in a second. And then coordination is, is important, and coordination could be compromised by Parkinson's disease. And repetition. So if we're going to open new neural pathways, then repetition is a really important part of what we do. And it's all got to be relevant to daily life. So we try and make as many of our drills as possible 
relevant and functional around uh, what they're going to be doing in daily life. And finally, you're going to be working with Parkinson's patients for a long period of time. So you need to be creative and fun is an absolutely key element. There's almost nothing that doesn't go. So if you want to introduce balloons, props of all kinds, invent games and activities, the more creative and inventive you can be, the better it is with this particular cohort of people. You mentioned falls. Presumably that's just one of the key risk factors for people? Yes, it is. Falls are common with Parkinson's patients and they are a risk factor. One of the things that Parkinson's patients tend to do is freeze. And so that can occur very often uh, when they're put in situations that they're not familiar with. So, for example, if they're in a shopping centre, somebody comes at them out of left field, they don't know how to respond, they'll freeze, and it's very difficult for them then to break that freeze. So we teach you how to teach them how to break a freeze. Another thing that happens is that they festinate, and festination means that uh, their upper body moves faster than their lower body, so they go into short little strides whilst their upper body continues moving forward at a pace, and that means that they'll lose balance. And the final thing with regard to falls is that Parkinson's patients aren't good at moving backwards, and that has to do with um, proprioception and spatial awareness. So these are all things that uh, we talk about in the course, and they're things that uh, exercise professionals need to be aware of. But providing you take sensible precautions around falls, then you really shouldn't be uh, concerned about working hard with Parkinson's patients and putting them in situations that challenge them, because it's in those challenging situations that the real progress is made. What do you think is the best thing about working with neurodegenerative conditioning? Yeah, that's a hard one, mainly because there's so many upsides to working with um, these groups of people. But I think if you push me, the, the thing that's most satisfying about working with any of the neurodegenerative conditions is that you are able to restore a degree of confidence. One of the things that goes very quickly having been diagnosed with PD or MS or stroke, is your confidence. And and if you put yourself in the position of um, somebody who has, for example, a permanent tremor or with stroke spasticity or whatever, and MS as well, spasticity, then giving them the confidence to be able to interact in public situations and interact with people without feeling as if there's something wrong with them is probably the greatest gift of all. And it's the kind of biggest thrill that I get out of doing it and it's uh, it's why we're producing these uh, these courses because I really want other exercise professionals to be able to embrace this uh, this challenge that lies ahead and get the same kind of kick out of it as I do. So what would you say to anyone thinking of doing the Parkinson Pro course? Apart from just do it you mean although I think that one's been used. Look, the course is easily accessible, it's online, and it gives exercise professionals an opportunity to dip a toe in the water in terms of working with one of these groups, i.e. Parkinson's. It's a huge community, it's growing. I think there are 130,000 Parkinson's patients in the UK, and that sadly is a growing number. So to any exercise professionals who kind of feel that they might want to make a difference in this particular area, then I would urge you to uh, take the course. It'll give you a great foundation, and hopefully you'll get into working with Parkinson's cohort and get the kind of fun and kicks that I get out of it. Thank you for your time today, Tim. It's been really great talking to you. For all the members and the non-members listening, the Parkinson Pro course will be on the online CPD platform from mid-August. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time. Thank you.